buckle. Here he comes again. Mama, how could I resist you? Marco Baca does a show again. Mama, just how much I miss you. <laughs> Content Hello, loyal listeners, and welcome to another edition of the Content Catch-Up. My name's Michael, and like always, joined by my good friend, Jules. Hello. But today we're not alone. Yes, hello, Jules. Thank you. Today we're not alone, and if you are a loyal listener, we've been teasing a special guest for the last, what, few weeks, Jules, and it's exciting because today's the day. We're joined by someone who is a leader in Australian sports coverage, specifically a passion for women's sports and basketball. And while doing so, she wears many hats. Um, I'm talking none other than Megan Husswaite. Megan, welcome to the show. Under applause. Hello, guys. Round of applause. <laughs> what an introduction. I'm first-time guest, long-time listener. <laughs> I think you're our first long-time listener to come on the show, so <laughs> that's great. Do we count as long-time <laughs> listeners, Jules? Every week we're on the show, though, so I don't think that counts. That's true. How, how are you going, Megan? What, how has the start of um, 2021 treated you? Um, well, thank you, guys. It's been really good. Um, the last little while, I guess, probably six weeks sort of feels for me like it did pre-COVID. So I've got yeah. a few different things going on and um, the busyness of meeting deadlines and um, doing a few things. So after a very weird year, like we all had in 2020, I, I feel like things are starting to come back in my um, freelance world it makes a difference once we can like all sit here and every sport is officially i don't want to jinx <laughs> yeah. us but officially back at this moment and i'm sure that makes a hell of a lot of change to your world not just professionally but socially and like everyone can go out and enjoy sport and they're consuming it again i'm sure it's a lot of fun for everyone absolutely well let's hope it stays that way look we've been chatting i'm not gonna lie we've been chatting for the last 20 minutes off off the record so let's jump into it, uh, our one-minute brief so our listeners can get to know a little bit more about you, Megan. Welcome to the one-minute brief. Your time starts now. What is your nickname? Uh, pretty boring, guys. I get Megs, Megzy, Megs, um, some variations on Hustweight, um, Husty, Huster. Um, so I'm happy with them. I, I'm not a Meg. Okay. Uh, I, I never liked Meg, but there are a few people that call me it and I'm kind of just too polite to say, I hate being called Meg. Well, I was going to say, here's your chance. We can, we can send this out to anyone that calls you Meg and <laughs> say, here, listen to my show. We can add them. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's great not to have Meg. you on, Meg. <laughs> Way to start. <laughs> um, what is your job title currently? That's a good question. Um, I think you probably touched on it best earlier. I would say I wear a lot of hats and I'm a slasher. Um, oh, like I that. Guess, <laughs> but just not sort of entrepreneur slash model slash actress slash presenter. Um, but more, uh, I would say professionally I write and talk about sport. Um, I'm a journalist, host, uh, MC. Lovely. You're right. A lot of slashes there, but all good ones. As all with all those slashes, do you have a, a favorite bit of content that you've worked on? Um, I reckon my favorite bit of content that I have worked on, 
I'm working on right now. Um, oh. So I'm hosting a show for SBS, a basketball show called Courtside One on One, and it complements their live NBA and NBL coverage. Um, I feel like a lot of people don't know um, here in Australia that you can watch the NBA and WNBA live on SBS. Plug. Um, which is pretty cool and just a little plug uh, for SBS. So um, the show is weekly. It's streamed on SBS On Demand um, and on Facebook. Uh, But, of course, we had to go to Plan B a few weeks ago (laughs) (laughs) and start streaming on Twitter, which is cool. Um, So each week I have a a bit of a chat um, with an Australian basketball identity, so... Um, Andrew Bogut was my first guest. I've had Ryan Brokoff, um, Sandy Brondello, coach of the Opals, um, a good mix of, of people and, and stories. Um, and then we've done a sort of supplementary um, little series during the NBL Cup here in Melbourne. Uh, so just a weekly show um, on socials uh, recorded the first few episodes just on zoom with some guests but last week we did our first one live from john kane arena and um we're doing our uh, our final one tomorrow once the nbl cup finishes up so that's been really cool as well it all sounds really exciting and making the most of um the situation with going i can't imagine like one week planning to be on facebook and then oh shit we actually haven't got a platform to go on um, yeah, yeah. And look, I haven't met the majority of the team that I work with at yeah. SBS. So they're, they're all in Sydney, um, but they're, they're a great team. Um, and oh, look, I knew that the SBS did football, soccer and, of course, cycling, but they do a huge amount of, of sport. Um, and I really love where they've moved with a lot of the coverage onto socials yeah. too. So it's been awesome to be part of growing that sort of basketball coverage. But, yeah, that was it was really interesting because I thought, oh, wow, what's going to happen here? And just sort of being privy to emails and being kept in the loop about how they were moving it to Twitter where they have um, a world game sort of live Twitter stream each week, which Lucy Zalek yeah. hosts. So, um, yeah, it was kind of cool to see that it just moved to another platform. Um, and then, yeah, we've been doing the NBL Cup hub heartbeat um live on twitter too that's so awesome um to to round out the one minute brief the the question that keeps most of our guests up sweating and sleepless at (laughs) night what is your best non-work skill oh this one kept me up um last night after michael sent through the questions um i find it hard to pick out a talent or attribute of mine that's not related to work so i'll just park that and I'm going to say my talent, is, my non-work talent is being a pug mum. <laughs> I'm like a stage mum, but um, OTT fur baby owner of my pug Coco. She's here. Um, she's behaving at the moment, so I won't put her on <laughs> screen right now, but we'll put her up at, at some stage. The wonderful Coco. Uh, I'm up. Hold on. We'll have to get it. I talk about her and not show. Come and say hello to everyone. We had the pleasure of meeting her before. Oh, look at her. There you go. This is Coco. <laughs> hello. There's a lick nothing nonstop. How you going, oh, Coco? Yeah. Welcome to the show. Typical pug. Um, Coco's got an Instagram at Coco Pug Face. <laughs> oh. 
Um, but pretty much my Instagram is just, you know, stories and stories of Coco. Um, and it's just Coco and I, like we're just a little family. And um, as I was saying to you guys off air, I pretty much just work hard to give her a bougie life. <laughs> That's awesome. So I think, I think- um, being an overbearing pet mum. <laughs> I think when we put this um, in our one-minute brief, best non-work skill, we were thinking, I think that's my favourite one because, hey, we're, we're, we can relate. Jules is a cat man. I'm a dog. We have fights very often I'm about dog. it. <laughs> I'm a dog. He's literally well, a, a dog. Barks. <laughs> but that's probably one of my favourite non-work skills, so I love that. Um, let's take it back, though, Megan. If my research is correct, though, you grew up in the country. What what sort of um, did sport and I guess basketball mean to you. I sort of know you mainly from the basketball landscape, but is that sort of favourite sport? It was. I've always loved, um, I guess, the trifecta of basketball, footy and cricket. So grew up in Ballarat, um, played a bit of sport growing up. I think, you know, in regional Victoria particularly or regional areas, you play a bit of everything. Um, I grew up behind um, where North Ballarat played in the VFL. So, you know, I went to the footy all the time and would go and watch training and just loved spectating that. Um, but I love TV and radio. So I was obsessed with Channel 7's footy coverage in the 90s. Um, the cricket on Channel 9, I used to sit in my bedroom on Saturdays and listen to the 3AW footy <laughs> coverage, you know, from midday. I was an Essendon supporter growing up and I taped the 2000 grand final call on a tape, like a cassette tape. Um, And I used to like, even when I was younger than that, used to pretend that I lived across the road from the MCG and that, you know, I was going to be on the footy coverage and write for the Herald Sun. And it just always was what I wanted to do and dreamed about. Um, In terms of basketball, being from Ballarat, we had Robin Ma and Alison Cook, who were in the Australian Opals team, who were from Ballarat. So watching them play um, at World Championships and Olympic Games, like um, Atlanta in 96, where they won the first basketball Olympic medal for Australia, was always so cool because even though I didn't want to be a professional athlete, I wanted, I knew what I wanted to do and I felt like I could do it because they came from where I was from. So anything was possible. And we had, you know, Tony Lockett was the hero, you know, of our town, Um, Steve Monaghetti, Anthony Edwards. We had lots of great sports people come from Ballarat. So they kind of inspired me that if I wanted to do something, I could. It didn't didn't matter that I was from Ballarat, that I wasn't from the city. Um, So I think, you know, that really played a big role in what I wanted to do and my passion, um, but also the basketball. Yeah, I feel like that's really unique hearing that um, athletes from your area, like we hear people are inspired by athletes being from their area, but they've inspired you from a different, you didn't want to be the athlete, but you knew it could happen from that country town. That's really cool. And and hearing you say all these things that you wanted to do from such a young age and then you just did it. That's awesome. <laughs> I think it's unique. I had, I had a cool moment a few years ago where I co emceed the Hall of Fame for Basketball Australia and I actually inducted Alison Cook. Um, oh. And that was so special because, yeah, as I said, I grew up watching her. Um, you know, didn't know her really until I started working in basketball. So um, to sort of have that full circle moment, I guess, um, and be part, you know, a very small part of a, a big night in her life and career was was really cool. But, yeah, I think there's something there, you know, identifying with people that 
um, you know, from the same town as you. Yeah. Did you get the chance to tell her that? Yeah, I have told her, um, which is cool. And, um, and I've had, you know, done a lot with Robin Ma over the years. She was, I think she played 180 games for Australia and was just an incredible leader, played 10 days after having a baby. Um, just, just amazing. Um, and so I'm so lucky to have been able to work with both of them in probably the last 12 years. Um, Alison was managing um, players uh, for, for a little while there, including Liz Cambage, um, and Robin's been involved with basketball sort of the whole time. So, yeah, I have told them because um, I guess I wanted them to know, yeah. you know, that they inspired me and, you know, perhaps athletes and people of prominence don't hear that from from people other than than athletes. Um, you know, that inspiration can be widespread. That's so true. And because sport has so many like layers. Yeah, you're right. Like how often would a, a media person go up to any athlete and be like, hey, you didn't inspire me to play, but you inspired me to get involved in this great yeah. world that like exists and drives so much of society really when you think about it. Yeah. Um, you named a couple of really inspirational female athletes then. Has women's sports been something you've always been passionate about? Um, and if not, where did that passion kind of come from? Yeah, I think so. Um, probably starting with, you know, what I just mentioned with those basketballers who are from Ballarat. Um, I did um, a cadetship at the Wimmera Mail Times newspaper in Horsham. Um, I started there just after I finished year 12 when I was 17. So I spent three years up there and, um, yeah, I mean, I covered everything sports-wise, but still always women's sport. Um, I guess predominantly the netball, you know, the footy, football netball clubs play such a huge role in the country. So that was just part of what we did. It wasn't kind of – and this was, yeah, I guess 2004 to 2007. Yeah. So. Up there, it was just sport. Like we didn't even sort of refer to it as women's sport. Um, And then I had 10 years at Leader Newspapers um, doing sport. And that was interesting because I felt like the coverage has probably always been predominantly male-based. Like there was always women's footy before there was AFLW, but I don't think the coverage was there at a grassroots level um in saying that you know i covered basketball 12 months of the year and that included men's and women so um there was still a lot of scope to cover women's sport but it was interesting to see how it was kind of covered and perceived at a grassroots level did you feel people lean towards wanting to do more of the men's sport or did they lean more towards like trying to do a little bit of both but no one really focused on women's sport as like a whole thing in itself Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, I remember there was an editor that wanted to sort of have a, a women's sport Wednesday coverage oh, and I was like... one day. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. why? It's not a hashtag. You know, like... Yeah, it's not, you know, but that, yeah, um, definitely. I mean, in saying that, I was there 10 years and I think there was only one other female sports reporter Jeez. in that time. That's nuts. Amongst the team, um, which was probably maybe six, seven, eight people. Um, So that, you know, that's interesting on reflection. I never really thought about it too much at the time. Um, But I feel like women's sport for some in the media has become sexier or 
almost a gravy train, really. Like, I, I mean, I love that there's been an increase in women's sport. We've still got a lot of work to go in the media space, but um, it has created work and jobs and opportunities for some people. Um, and I guess in the other, uh, you know, another space, clicks are so big. So there's opportunities for clicks and, um, and different things like that. So I still think there's a lot of work to be done with how women's sport is covered in the media, um, but it's changed a lot in a short amount of time. It's, it's funny you kind of mentioned that, like with the, the new opportunities that it's brought up, one of the, and this is not a knock on any male journalist or anything, but one of the knocks I have is when you see ex-footballers in particular in the AFLW that are now media specialists on the coverage. And I'm thinking there's a whole group of women who have been following this sport from its grassroots days up until like its infancy to now that would know so much more about the sports, the players, like everything that would their opinion and their, their expertise in the area would be so much better on a national level than I don't want to chuck a name out there, but like, let's say for example, Luke Hodge or um, Lee Montagna, who might have an interest in and be very passionate about it, but doesn't mean that they should be afforded the opportunity before someone who knows a hell of a lot more than they do just because of their name. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, um, I did, I was working at SEN um, casually for about a decade and um, was part of the coverage for the first AFLW season doing boundary and, you know, nobody expected what that season and that first opening night was going to be like. Um, And, I did a story, I was still a leader at that stage, on Jo Watton, who was a former player. She literally got into footy commentary from an ad, a local paper ad um, to call some sort of local footy and had worked her way up. Um, and as of this season, is calling on Channel yeah. 7 and she's yeah. just brilliant. Um, and I feel like that should have happened in the first yeah. season. She yeah. should have been, yeah. She should have been a major scalp for a TV or radio outlet and she was calling radio um, for Croc Media um, throughout the last couple of years, so I need to give them credit. But, yeah, there were so many experts, you know, like her, and there's not a lot of play-by-play callers yeah. out there yeah. like her. So um, I'm rapt to see her now getting the the platform that she she deserves and she's doing a great job on TV. Yeah. That's a really, I don't say this often, Jules, but that's a really interesting point for me about the Montagna and Hodge (laughs) nameless names. Thank you. I think I should probably, might add, I understand, like we all understand that some people are on contract too and that that obviously plays a lot. And I know that being a freelancer, sometimes it can be hard to get gigs because outlets use people that are on contract um, because they have to. But I think there's always opportunity for us to create opportunity. Yeah. Mm. That's such a good, that's a great quote. <laughs> it really is. I might put you on the spot with this one with, you said there's still a lot more work to be done in the women's sports space. If you could sort of have one thing or is there one, one overall thing right now that you'd love to see happen? Like, Yeah. Um, I think the digital space has been amazing for women's sport. Um, because it's a blank canvas to storytell and to create content. It doesn't cost anything. Um, It generates stories um, Mm -hmm. and generates content. But I still hear, and I can touch on the basketball world, um, you know, people get so disappointed that there's, excuse me, not coverage of the women's basketball, say in the Herald Sun. Um, 
And, uh, for example, uh, last year, Ezzy Magbegore, who's a, a basketball star from Melbourne, um, went in the went early in the WNBA draft, debuted for Seattle Storm, won a championship in her first year. And as a freelancer, I did the story for the Herald Sun, but I pitched it to them. If a 21-year-old from Melbourne won an NBA championship in his first year, yeah. we'd have a parade. Like, it's so just, just things like that, you know, I think we don't um, – we probably don't give our female athletes the credit that they deserve and they're standing on the international stage. Um, So, yeah, anyway, going back to sort of mainstream media, like newspapers are still huge, you know, like, yes, we've moved into more digital media and social media and all that kind of stuff, but I'd still love to see women's sport feature prominently through the back pages of the papers. Yeah, um, I remember a great quote from um, Kayla George on, I think it was might have been Chloe Dalton's podcast where she said, you can't be what you can't see. Mm. I just, that sort of just, I sort of stopped there. I'm like, is that like the base of it? <laughs> like it's yeah. so true. Yeah, I did a talk with um, a little basketball, like little girls, um, little juniors that are part of this um, basketball academy. I did a Zoom with them during COVID and they'd, um, they played a video that they'd put together before I came on to talk. And this little girl was talking about how she opens that, like she had a newspaper there, she opens the pages and she can't see anything on the athletes that she idolises and goes to watch live. And it made me want to cry that, Mm. you know, a little seven, eight-year-old girl is so fully aware of that and impacted by it. Yeah. It's kind of scary to think that like we, we always like at work we one of the things that they always say is that like we're not saving lives out here like with the work that we do but you forget like the impact of what you, your work has on mm. on so many people and like you reverse it right so an athlete has inspired you to become a journalist but then you as a journalist can then inspire the next generation of athlete like it's such a complete circle that you have and you probably don't realize you're part of an ecosystem until something like that happens yeah and i think you're right like sport is fun right like it's not like we're covering the courts or the police rounds um i'm not made i've done (laughs) that before and i'm not made for it i'm not good at it so you know the what's the worst thing that happens in sport like injuries and losses and coaches being sacked it's not so bad in the scheme of things um, but yeah, I think you like you spot on Jules with what, what you said, you know, with, um, that being said sort of around your workplace, like, no, we're not saving lives, but we can inspire lives. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Careers and passions. Yeah, no, it's really well said. Um, you touched on before some of the, some of the people you idolized growing up as a kid, but I might broaden it, um, during, I guess the times you've, you've spoken to tons of athletes by now, has anybody been, um, I guess, favourites, your most inspirational, maybe ones that you didn't sort of know of growing up um, that you met and thought, wow, like might have moved you in some sort of way? Yeah, Um, it's a good question. I (laughs) would say um, last year um, I got to chat to someone, a female that I idolise now. Um, Her name's Holly Rowe and she works on ESPN um, 
covering the WNBA, covering college basketball. She's just an absolute gun. Um, and I look to her um, for inspiration and improvement. Um, and so I was watching her, you know, every day during the WNBA season, she was in the bubble and, um, you know, a few of the girls and guys, um, in, you know, in the basketball circles here, because I kind of have a niche role where I'm, you know, in the WNBL, um, had mentioned to me, you know, oh, you're like the Holly Royal of Australia. You're like our Holly. That's so awesome. I, <laughs> and I thought, you know what, I want to, I want to talk to her. So, um, I did what, what we do these days, the best way to contact people. And I slid into her DM <laughs> on Instagram and, um, and asked, just said, you know, who I was, um, and what I do and that, I understood she was seriously busy in the wobble, but if she ever had some time, I'd love to do a live with her. Um, so she replied and um, and we did a live um, just before the playoffs and she was so lovely and warm and generous um, and inspiring and it was cool to be able to share that with the people that, you know, watched it live mm. and then watched it on my feed. And then um, a few months later, I went into a bubble myself for the WNBL and um, and she sent me a lovely message just with some tips, um, not really work tips, but just, you know, it can be quite mentally challenging being home, being away from home for that long, um, a really high volume of games and work and just a few things to pack to make my hotel room a bit more homely and um, I really appreciated that and I, you know, did everything she said and it helped my experience in the hub I was in. Um, so that was really cool and I hope I get to meet her one day, whether that's um, when I head over to the WNBA or if she comes out here for we've got the Women's World Cup next year. Um, but, you know, there's a bit of a Insta friendship that's been established there and I'd never have the chance to speak to her if it wasn't for social media. So amazing, yeah. like the, the people that we've met as well. Like we, we would have reached out to you via social media and that's how this all happens and you can just collaborate and like work with so many more people right now because and that's a great thing now that's happening in our community. So we're all promoting our work. We're getting over that tall, tall poppy syndrome, especially in yeah. Australia and just being like, actually, nah, fuck it. Like I'm good at what I do and I'm going to be proud of what I do and I want other people to know that as well and I want to surround myself with people that are going to accept that. I think that's the greatest thing that I've come across lately. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I'm going to take it back. So... You were obviously inspired by an athlete, but let's reverse it. Let's say you were talking to a, a young you or a young aspiring female journalist. What would you kind of tell them and what tips would you give them to, to help them in their career um, and progress and make it to somewhere like you are, like that high level? I would say um, like initiative is everything um, and it's still – I think it's been one of my best strengths. So like when I was in high school, I was writing for the local paper in Ballarat um, and just I've always had that sort of initiative. Even now, like I've got no um, qualms in yeah, DMing people mm. or seeking out work or pitching and hustling. And um, I would say the strike rate, strike rate is pretty successful and if it's not, 
um, I feel like people really take notice and respect that you've um, hustled yeah. um, and, you know, taken the time to make contact. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, and, yeah, whether that's the initiatives around creating a portfolio for yourself, whether it's on social media, um, a Twitter account or an Instagram, like as I said before, it's a blank canvas for creating content, sharing content, getting a following um, and just opening your eyes and your mind to everything that's out there. Um, and I think mentors are important too. Um, I remember when I was working up in Horsham and it was difficult at times. I was the first female to cover sport up there and I was a teenager and like I copped some nasty shit yeah. from people up there um, at times and I didn't really have a female to talk to or to get some advice from. Um, at that stage there was obviously Caroline Wilson yeah. Um, yeah. doing amazing things as she had been for a long time at the age and there was some great women on TV doing boundary writing and things like that. And so I emailed a few um, females, you know, in the footy industry predominantly. Um, and the one person that got back to me was Callie Underwood. Oh, yeah. Um, so this was probably 2005. Um, and so when I was in Melbourne next, I caught up with her for coffee at Channel 10. Um, she was working there. And the facts that she gave someone she didn't know or didn't have to you know, the time of day to reply to an email and have a coffee. I, I've never forgotten that. Yeah. Um, and I've, you know, bumped into her along the journey um, in both our sort of roles over the years. So um, I think that's important. And as we sort of said, you know, you can get in touch with people so much easier these days. So, um, yeah, I like I love getting people's advice and input and just bouncing ideas. I still get really excited after doing interviews that I, you know, um, loved or am inspired by. So I think just having someone to bounce off and get advice if you need is really important, no matter where you are in your career. There's always someone that's has or is currently going through what you're going through and I think you're right like being able to bounce that off and hear that you're not batshit crazy for for feeling a certain way or thinking something or wanting to go down a different path is always helpful um and something that our community is really good at I feel um just like talking yeah. to each other I agree yeah. it's just that um feeling you know I've got a few people that if I you know get a gig or land a story or I've done a really you know an interview that I really enjoyed or felt was really good those people that I'll text or call and same thing them to me and just sharing that like adrenaline, I yeah. guess. Of, and it's good when it, when it runs because you know that you still love your craft. Yeah. yeah. I have a huge appreciation for it's such a small thing, but a common ground that I'm finding with a lot of people that we speak to my journey as well, that there's always a point where somebody has responded to a random message of yours. <laughs> And I think it's probably more of a, a note um, for the people that are in the industry now or sort of at a level where they're working for a big company that how much of a difference it can make to respond to a random DM or a random email because I don't know if you agree, Jules, but so many people we've spoken to, there's always that common ground of somebody responded to me. And it's such a simple thing to do from our perspectives, but so many people don't do it. 
You've you've um, actually just reminded me, Bucks, that I still haven't replied to that person in our inbox. So if <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll cut um, that it's, it's coming, They're it's coming. No, it's it's coming. I promise, it's coming. You left me on red. <laughs> I'm I'm going to reply. I promise, the reply will come. Um, I want to take it back to the hub experience. So, quick one on the hub. Um, do you think? Do you think there's something the the WNBL can take from? I felt it probably because I watched. I found myself watching it most nights. But do you think there's something they can take from that hub life of why it was successful? Like I know I was on Twitter a lot of those nights as I do with basketball, and I'm sure a lot of people do. But I felt like people were talking about it so much, and I'm not. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure. I'm sure that it was accessible on KO. It was a huge reason. Um, I know in past seasons of asked the question multiple times to family members, my brother, friends, like where can we actually watch the WNBL consistently? Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting. I think it was the perfect storm. COVID really was the best thing to happen to the WNBL to go from a five-month regular season. I've been saying to a few people like we would have just had the grand final now. Mm. Um, so we weren't up against really any other sport other than sort of the back end of the WBBL. So to have every game on KO, to have um, games on Frida Air and um, Foxtel for the first time, so four broadcast games a week, um, was incredible. But I think it had that feel of probably what the BBL had in the early years, and you just touched on it, uh, Michael, you know, sitting down and watching it sort of every night enjoying and interact, you know, engaging um, with others through the experience on Twitter. Um, there was one game in particular where an 18-year-old girl, Jade Melbourne from Victoria, hit the winner mm-hmm. for Canberra. And it was just it was just an awesome play and shot. And Paddy Dangerfield retweeted it um, or quote tweeted it. And I was like, this would never happen. Like yeah. that would never have happened before. That was so cool. That him doing that meant so much to our league. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think it was perfect. I mean, a lot, speaking to a lot of the players, they loved the, they loved playing every second day. Some of that was because they didn't have to practice. Um, (laughs) I I think there's something there for future years um, and seasons, and we'll be heading into the 42nd season of the WNBL. So whether, you know, it mightn't be two months because there was a lot of games, you know, in, um, in that short period, but in terms of condensing it um, and getting that captive audience and not getting lost um, around so much other sport over summer, yeah. I think there's definitely something there. I think the, you touched on the youth of Jade Melbourne and Charlotte Hill. I think people, most people now, well, I felt like during that time and probably now know who they are and that's so important. Um, do you think the youth of a sort of Australian talent do you think the lack – so there's no imports in the hub, right? Do you think that would help? Is that something you, they probably wouldn't think about just keeping that moving forward, right? Yeah. Um, I think it worked really well last season because we saw um, like Jade Melbourne was picked up at the last minute by Canberra um, and was starting, you know, yeah. in her yeah. first season as an 18-year-old. That wouldn't usually happen. Um, so there was lots of positives. There were more opportunities for local talent. Um, we will go back to the imports 
this season. I think that's important too. We're seeing in the NBL at the moment how great the import talents are. Um, and, you know, f- from a WNBL point of view, we get some of the best players, you know, from around the world, particularly the US coming here. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a bit of a balance. How can you continue to promote that young talent and give them those opportunities at that high level? But we still want to attract the best players because the WNBL is the second best women's basketball comp in the world. Yeah, tough middle ground. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it back from NBL because basketball. If for all the listeners, they know, but basketball is not my specialty. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll take the cricket, cricket. I'll take the cricket questions, but I'm I'm not great with the old basketball, but. I want to ask you, you've won, you've spoken about slashes and hats. What, do you have a favourite role that you've played or favourite slash or hat that you've worn over the years that you'd love to just make that your full-time kind of concentration? Yeah. Um, I guess it's funny, like I mentioned before about all the things I dreamed of doing and pretended I did when I was really little and that kind of involved writing TV, radio, um, which is kind of what I do now. So I've been freelance for nearly four years, um, four years um, in June, and I love that I have a mix of work. I guess I hope for that to continue. I don't want to work for one employer um, Mm. or in one role. I just hope, I guess my goal now is just to keep amplifying that. So I love writing. Um, I still get a thrill when you know, my bylines in the paper or uh, tell it what I think is a good story or the interviewee is really happy with how the yarns come up. Um, I sort of got into TV uh, through the WNBL, but again, that was by me making contact with the producer. Um, I did that on a Tuesday and I was on air on the Saturday, um, which was really cool. Um, And then I love MC work um I really love that you know working off the energy of a crowd I do that mainly in the sports space um it's starting to come back now after COVID so I've had probably um like a highlight in each of those like I'd say I've had like a highlight in each medium um but I hope to continue working across them but just amplifying and growing you know, in each of those roles. The ultimate freelancer almost <laughs> yeah. with something for everyone. Good. Yeah, I think it's good though. Like I think you, there shouldn't be um, not pressure. There shouldn't be any sort of, I'm just going to say it, pressure because I can't think of a better word. Good one, Mark. <laughs> um, that you can't, <laughs> that you have to settle on one thing. Like I think it's really good and it, we talk about it all the time how you have to wear um, many hats. So, yeah, no, I like that answer. Um you actually you answered this earlier on, but pinch me moments. I think it's I think it's important that we all get to this point where we, if we are in, lucky enough to be in the industry that we've wanted to be in. Have you had any other moments where you have sort of felt like, wow, like I've 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 made it where I sort of dreamed of as a kid? Yeah, I might sort of pick out um, one from um, wearing each of those hats, which we just touched on. So, yeah. um, probably in terms of writing. Um, getting my first front page um, with uh, the Herald Sun and Daily Telegraph um, was really cool. Uh, TV, 
I guess, as I said, you know, making that contact with the producer and um, and being on air with, within a few days and was a dream um, for that was WNBL, um, you know, I guess having written about the league and then starting a podcast, doing that for about 10 years and then sort of making the move into TV um, and then going from doing a little halftime segment to sideline and some hosting for two years with Fox to the hub season where I was the only commentator in the hub and and having that um, responsibility being the eyes and ears. And then with MC work, um, I've been to so many functions at Crown at the Palladium Room over the years and um, I got to do one grand final week a couple of years ago. Um, I did a little segment uh, like a panel, hosted a panel as part of a grand final breakfast. So to look at that room, you know, I think it was 1,500 people and the huge screens and I know that kind of scares the shit out of some people, but mm. I love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> that was really cool. And 1,500 people at a function sounds so crazy right now <laughs> it does yeah no it's true i had a really important note that um you mentioned you mentioned the you uh, a lot of the what you go back to is hustling so we're talking about nicknames how does everyone feel about megan hustle wade <laughs> well pretty good <laughs> i get called that i mean um, my yeah i've got lots of variations on that name um i mentioned courtside one-on-one which i'm doing for sbs and um we get each of the guests to do a promo for their episode um and they say you know join me on courtside one-on-one with megan hustrate that um sports team are putting together a little highlight thrill for socials of everyone butchering my name Um, (laughs) that's good but they also stuff megan up like i've got different and look there's a few americans in there so it's more variations on megan oh megan um, oh. <laughs> but also i feel like i mean it's not a place to be talking about taking husband's names but um i like my name you know i yeah. feel like that's my byline absolutely um, yeah so i'm sticking with it <laughs> love it um i think you've kind of answered this question before but uh, throughout this chat but I, w- I want to ask anyway it's 2021 we've had a, a shit 2020 but we're turning the corner in 2021 what's on the horizon for you this year next year what kind of come next comes next for you oh that's a cool one Jules <laughs> um uh I guess I generally as a freelancer work my years out by summer and winter sports yep. seasons yeah, so I always have a few pillars of things that I do um, that are good to know that I've got coming up, you know, for stimulation in my brain, but also, you know, for work and financial purposes. So I'm sort of moving at the moment um, out of some summer sports. So um, for the last few years, I've uh, hosted and commentated the live stream for the Premier Men's and Women's Cricket Finals, which is the level, I guess, under... Um, you know, Victoria, the Bush Rangers here. So I've got those coming up in the next few weeks, which is awesome. Um, still lots of basketball with the courtside, NBL going until June. <laughs> um, yeah. NBL one, um, maybe an Olympics. Ooh. But it's so hard. It's so hard to even um, 
think about that right now, given everything that's happening, but I've got the dates free. <laughs> so if anyone's just, listening, if any, yeah, <laughs> Megan's free. Take it. Well, I just never talk about it because I, I speak so much with the athletes who are kind of training. Yeah. Well, they are training for it without knowing that it's going ahead. So, um, yeah, it's, it would be, it will form a, a big part of my work, whether I'm here or over there. Um, and look, hopefully MC stuff gets back. Yeah. Um, yeah. It has a little bit, but uh, I think we all want to get back to, well, we've enjoyed getting back to live sport and those functions and corporate hospitality is such a big part of that game day experience. But for the clubs and leagues, you know, they need to get their sponsors back in and, and start doing that. So, um, yeah, I've done a few events on Zoom, but I can't wait to get back in front of, you know, a big crowd again and yeah. look at people and and feel that energy, um, you know, kind of before a big sporting game. Well, hopefully, um, don't know if I can say this, but hopefully Carlton can organise you and then we can <laughs> bump into you in the future. Slide in my DMs, I can't <laughs> Well, it's Jules then. <laughs> Jules manages. Do Jules? Yeah, that's uh, oh, my team. team manages that. Um but okay. yeah, that's that's one of my jobs. I don't left me on raid. <laughs> so so this is the this is one of my biggest downfalls. But um, I I'm terrible at reading text messages, um, and I've currently got two hundred eighty seven oh unheard oh, text messages. It hurts me every week. Um, every time we talk, it just keeps again. going up. Um, that but does that not give you anxiety? <laughs> It does, you've, you've heard it. it does but the thing is like i have the top ones like that people i regularly talk to are the ones that i um i reply to like if barks messages me it might take me a day but i get back to him it's the wow, ones thanks. it's the ones that i like read um because i have that preview thing that pops up and i read them and i'm like i don't really need to reply to that i'll just leave it but then it just stacks up and up and up so um I'm not the best at reading DMs, so just keep hassling me if anyone is trying to to get in touch with me. Or if you're trying to get in touch with at Carlton yes at Carlton FC. FC. There's a team managing yeah. that, so I'm I'm guessing someone checks them more often than I do. We normally do egg of the week each week. Put you on the spot here, but would you like to participate in the egging of someone? Have you guys got one? Can I chime in on Absolutely. yours? Absolutely, I reckon Barks has got one lined up. Egg of the week. I do have one egg. I can kick us yeah, off. Kick us off. Um, it's, a, it's actually in the basketball world, and I feel a bit rude egging whoever this college player is, but I'm going to share my screen. <laughs> All right, so college game, this will lag, but this – I'll just play it. The, they hit a game winner. Look at the blue guy on the team. He gets – he's full on in the celebration, and he's just <laughs> – <laughs> the poor guy. I've never seen an opponent player that has lost the game when they're in the other team's celebration, and he's full on <laughs> – He's full on down on himself. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Falls into their pile. (laughs) He's in the middle of it. Anyway, I feel bad egging you, but you're an egg. (laughs) Just get out of the way. Is there anything better than seeing watching people fall over? (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm going to just keep watching it. (laughs) He's so clumsy, like when he falls over as well. It's like a giraffe going down, like really, really slowly. (laughs) Had every opportunity to get out of that one. I feel bad. That's a good. That that is a good one. Let's egg him. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, did that give you any time to think of an egg? Otherwise, can I give one that's not sports? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It can be anything. 
Okay, so you guys would be aware, well aware, I'm sure, of the celeb spell check account yes. on Instagram. Yes, it's hilarious. Love it. So much to unpack um, <laughs> there, but uh, she, celeb spell check, put up a post last night, um, and it was of Lorinska, who um, I guess is best known for being on. Um, I think it only was two seasons, but it definitely got bumped to like the 10.30 double episode <laughs> on <laughs> Tuesday nights on Channel 7, <laughs> Yummy Mummy. Oh. Um, <laughs> she was on that, um, and I think she's a model. Of, yeah. Anyway, so she's made her own clothes, like clothing label, um, and I think it's called Royale. So been launched, I think, this week it was launched. So, you know, her friends and fellow influencers have um, been gifted the the clothes um and so beck jard is a friend yep. um and fellow yeah. influencer entrepreneur um so she she put a post up of herself wearing um the outfit and um one of her children was in an outfit as well um so celeb spell checks uploaded a post uh of lorinska launching the label beck in the clothes and swipe across for the third um pick which is just absolute gold said outfit on the rack at Hampton's um, Vinnie's. <laughs> um, oh, and boy. so the range was launched this week. So there's no way that, you know, a punter has ordered, received. And just donated it. And donated. <laughs> um, I just thought that was outstanding. That's um, incredible. Egg. That is a big egg. <laughs> I think that'll that'll do for eggs of the week. Okay, guys, wrap it up. Meeks, thanks so much for jumping on today, Saturday afternoon. So really appreciate your time. It's been such a such an eye opening chat for us from so many levels. Like, obviously, we see journalists as content creators, but we don't see them in the in the same like frame. Not in a bad way, but we probably don't consider everything that goes on behind the scenes to to give us that content that just pops up on our screen or in our newspapers or on our radio or wherever you are. So, thank you so much for explaining that world to us a little bit more and to all our listeners. It's been a real pleasure having you on. Thanks, guys. It's been so fun. I might just leave you with this um, because timing is everything. Um, I wrote a piece in the weekend lift out in the Herald Sun today on Ozzy Kihia, who is a businessman um, and uh, racing um, owner. So he's he's got a few horses, but one won the Caulfield Cup last year and Sir Dragon A won the Cox Plate. Um and he's got Sir Dragon A running in the All-Star Mar today. And I live across the road from Mooney Valley, so I've got a very good view of the race course. But they weren't sure whether Sir would run today because he likes a wet track. So the night before the Cox Plate last year, Ozzy was out at 2 a.m. in his backyard basically doing a rain dance <laughs> because it was forecast to rain, but it hadn't. And then it started raining and Sir Dragon A won. Um, it has just started pouring here during our conversation. You're right, it has. So I'm just wondering whether that's an omen for Sir Dragon A in the All-Star Mar today. Um, but, hey, if you want something to read, read this story because he's a really interesting guy. Um, I knew nothing about him before I spoke to him. But, yeah, I'm going to leave you with that little bit of content. That's That's perfect. Thank- <laughs> thank you. And a big thank you to Coco too. Yeah. Oh, yes. Coco's asleep, but um, 
Here we go. Uh, we'll wake uh, her up to say goodbye. <laughs> Coco says, I love the content catch up. <laughs> Oh. That's a better outro than Pete. That's what we're going out on this week. Yeah.